Welcome to the Living in Desire podcast. I am your host, Natalie of Natalie Christina Coaching. My mission is to normalize the exploration of the interplay between sex, God, and romantic partnership so that individuals and couples worldwide can cultivate ignited conscious relationships and begin to truly live in desire. As you listen today, don't forget to screenshot any points that resonate with you, share and tag Living in Desire podcast so that I can learn exactly what is pulling you in and be sure to roll out content that caters to exactly where you are at right now. Today is a super special episode and what I believe to be foundational to everything I talk about here on the podcast and really anywhere that I show up in the virtual space. You may have caught this episode the first time around on my YouTube channel, Coffee Time, but if not, we are bringing it to you today, minus the visual component. I am chatting with my best boo, Renita Bangert, on the importance of semantics and in particular, that special little word, woo, which seems to be coming up quite a lot in the overall wellness, self-development world right now. Renita is a Masters of Journalism student, tarot card reader, and tea aficionado. She is also my everything person, and today is bringing some extremely powerful insights to this conversation. So without further ado, let's dive in. When I posted on Instagram about starting these like real-time talks that are kind of meant to be basically walking in on me and a friend just going on a rant over coffee. Renita replied with the topic of mindfulness. And I read that and at first I was like, oh yeah, that's so awesome. And then I legitimately walked to my kitchen. And I was like, what the fuck even is mindfulness? Like, how do I even start talking about this? Cause it's like elusive word that is used so much now, but I don't feel like there's a way to really define it. And then my next thought, was um, my grand distaste for this one word, which is what we will be unpacking today, because I do think the topic of mindfulness will take up several episodes ongoing. So our topic of the day is woo. And so as I explained to you when we first got talking about this, this is a topic that seems to be coming up so much more in like the overall, we'll say overall wellness industry. So whether it be like holistic, coaching or you know even people who are doing more like food oriented mindset mindfulness coaching or strictly fitness and that sort of thing anything really that has to do with a mindset around a thing that's outside of you or whatever they talk about woo and it's a term used just for some context to describe the more spiritual sort of practices um, so when you do talk about mindfulness, people, people can describe that as woo, but the meditation, the, you know, sometimes even the journaling, whatever it might be. My problem with this <laughs> is to me, this woo thing that we're describing is something that is at the end of the day, it's like inherent in all of us, right? Like my spiritual connection, my connection to something outside of myself that is bigger than me, that gets me where I need to go is intended to be a part of my intrinsic being. And so by describing it as woo, we as a whole within this industry are creating an otherness that I think can make it non-attainable. Because mm -hmm. if you start, like for me at least, like I think if you start off describing this thing as other, it can never be intrinsic. Like I can kind of map it onto what I'm currently doing and they might like exist in parallel but it's never actually at that core, if that makes sense. And so like, 
Yeah. And it just, I, I don't know, like as soon as I started hearing it, I like got my back up about it and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, why do I not like this woo thing? And then I was like, oh, that's why. Cause like my God self just is my true self. And I didn't know that 10 years ago, but I know it now. Mm-hmm. And for me, if someone had come up and said like, oh, there's this thing yonder and it can be part of your life as opposed to the way that it was taught to me as it is your life, I wouldn't be in the place I am now. And so semantics is very important. Semantics, exactly. I didn't used to feel particularly negatively about the term woo. It's part, like you said, semantics. It's part of a recurring theme, I think, for me personally, of examining language um, that I'm trying to actively do, like, in a lot of areas of my life. And I, from, from, like, years back, I had a friend who told me years ago that um, talking to me, she found difficult because I used so much self-deprecating language. And I interpreted it at that time as me being funny. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like sarcasm. That's my sense of humor. And she was like, no, you're just being really cool to yourself all the time. And it's not fun to talk to you. Like, every sentence is like that. And so um, from that point, like, I, I, it, that really made me want to start reexamining the way that I use language for myself. And then also the way that, like, semantics can impact the world because it has a, a crazy impact. And um, something like woo is like a, a way of being kind of like self pejorative because if you use it even I used to use it to describe my own stuff right mm-hmm. and so that is a way you're right it is a way of like othering that stuff from some central part of you and if you use those pejorative terms to describe any aspects of yourself that is automatically kind of creating a boundary mm-hmm. and so I do feel like um like what you were saying with the othering it, it's it's it, it's kind of um it's really effective at othering, which is not um, mm-hmm. going to help you sort of engage with it more. And then B, it's also, um, it's damaging to yourself to try and like, you know, think about these aspects of your life that you you enjoy or engage in or that help you, but you need to put them behind this barrier of like being a pejorative mm-hmm. part of your identity. Mm-hmm. I think that that really feeds into also what we were talking about before this, which is how... Um, like it can be used kind of as a, a front for not being taken seriously. Like, and, and I'm wondering if part of this is people, and granted I was totally one of these people because the first time that I was introduced to this concept of God after my falling out with Catholicism um, and like a whole bunch of other life things that happened, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I am not praying to this thing that based on my logic background, I know does not exist and all of these things. And I feel like... Um, it can be a way for someone, so it, it can be useful, but still this is kind of hindering that acceptance part. I feel like people, myself included maybe, when I have used it, who have a more analytic background, use that term to describe those, you know, spiritual, wooey things. Um, one, to reconcile them for ourselves, because maybe we're not at a point of accepting that those two can coexist and actually like feed into one another. And then also it's a way of maintaining, like you and I were touching on, our credibility when presenting that aspect. We'll say aspect because I think we were still keeping it other. Um, when presenting that aspect of ourselves to people outside. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I have a background in, so for me, like analytic philosophy, I studied minorly, not a lot of it, but like artificial intelligence theory. I also... <laughs> believe in the like spiritual connection within the universe and surrender, da da da. So like, how do we present that to someone? 
who yeah. doesn't believe those things have any value. I still grapple with this because yeah. I chose to continue to exist in academia, I think. Um, and because I do, like as much as I, 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 I think I'm going to grapple with this for a while, probably. Um, and I'm happy that um, I'm able to even to, like to discuss this at all without being uncomfortable yeah. because I am on some, I do want to be taken seriously. Um, and I'm, I know like at this point I'm working on um, really like settling in that fact that these things can coexist and that it, they don't negate or reflect on each other. Mm -hmm. um, but it does become challenging at points, you know, because there's, there's a lot of structures in the world that would, that would have you think that, um, like engaging with, uh, spirituality or belief or even having discussions around like faith and spirituality and like new age, new age. I don't like that either. I think there, it is, it is difficult to reconcile it. Definitely. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if you come, like you said, from an analytic background or conversely, I think if you come from a spiritual background and you want to engage more in things that are analytical, you would also probably fear losing the community that you already have the existing circle. Right. So I think, it's just a, a, a culture of like divides that is really harmful. Um, and I, yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, totally. That just reminded me of um, this one time I was on a, <laughs> a Tinder date, I think, or like, okay, you better or something with this girl at um, the JJB on commercial drive. And I'm saying this because you know exactly where I'm talking about. We were like sitting outside on the patio and, and she asked me like straight up, she's like, cause I'd been alluding to these spiritual things just as general practices in my life, talking about what I do day to day, like whatever. And she was like, do you believe in God? And without really any hesitation, I was just like, yes. Mm -hmm. And I think also the fact that in that moment, I didn't feel I needed to explain my concept. It was like, you might interpret this a totally different way. For me, I know how it is because, you know, for me, and I'll explain just for purposes of this, but like, it's not a religious God. It's not some like man in the sky. It's, you know, it's nothing like that. It's it's unity and it's surrender and it's that like inherent cohesion of the universe, like that sort of thing. Um, but I didn't feel the need to justify it or separate it from or anything. Like I just confidently could say yes. And I think that moment is what woo is keeping us all from living in. Yes. And as like a coach, I guess I feel like it's my, like duty <laughs> to like be mindful of how that language could hinder someone's progress in that way. Cause if I'm trying to like, you know, my, my whole thing is like guiding people to their truth. Well, if I want you to realize your truth, I can't start by framing it as something separate from you, but yeah, you have to work to get, no, it's something there to discover. It's you. Framing it as something like with woo, I feel like it's framing it as something like kind of silly that you can do in your free time, but then you still have to go to your work and be not, woo Seriously. And, yeah and then if you have half an hour a week that you could be woo that's like working towards a better a better which doesn't make any sense because how does that actually translate into your life then at all if you have like one little window that's like woo time and then yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know I don't think it's a workable system it's exactly what you were saying though it's like people are living in a way where they have this like daytime person and then at night or on the weekend or whatever, it can totally flip. And it's like, well, then who's the self that you're bringing into those daytime situations? Because mm -hmm. if that's not your true self, then what is it? True. And there's, there's really like no reason it can't be the same. You know, granted you might bring like different traits to the situation or whatever, but like your essence, I don't think should be shifting. Like there's no reason to have to hide certain parts of yourself. You might just articulate them in a slightly different way. 
Yeah, and your core outlook will inform whatever you're doing, right? So, and, and I think it, that adds a lot of value to your mm-hmm. practices, your career, your interactions with people. Like if you can bring the full breadth of what you experience in your life to every interaction, um, I don't see how that would, like I feel like that would be enriching for most situations. Yes all situations you can get into because at least you are speaking from your core you know like your core experience and your you know like what makes you feel at peace in this situation mm-hmm. totally um and like i guess further from what we were just talking about i know you had mentioned something about it um being like less inclusive mm-hmm. was that yeah want to rant go for it okay brace <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. yourselves <laughs> my words to yeah no I do I do think it's less inclusive because um it's that same idea we've been talking about about like compartmentalization and how like like if you have to self-identify or whatever if you're identifying some parts of life or some people or whatever as like being like woo it immediately shuts down any kind of engagement or discourse you could have and by like by by categorizing things like that and it's something you know when you give it that name and you put it in that box that it's something that you don't have to give any kind of like open-minded consideration of and I feel Mm -hmm. like it is really exclusionary because you never have any crossing of the paths then and I really think that um blending ranges of experience um is like the key to knowledge creation and to building community and so all that kind of stuff. This is like kind of what my whole thesis is about as well. But I think I think that this kind of like blended perspective is really really valuable. And um, by using terms like woo and like you know sketching out such hard boundaries for things, it is really exclusionary and it really negates your chance of um, learning something. Mm-hmm. Which like step one, it's just a cool like a, a thing a cool thing to do that we strive to do. And so. I don't know. I, it's really, I think it is really incredibly limiting and, and kind of a loss to mm-hmm. keep things so firmly separate. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. Because yeah. I think too, like that conversation that I had, had I been like, well, I've kind of done some work and I guess I believe this. And I also, you know, am a very analytic person. And da, 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 da. That conversation would have gone very differently had I approached it in that way versus just knowing yeah this is this is me mm-hmm. you know and that can coexist with the fact that i study analytic philosophy and i honestly enjoy formal logic and <laughs> things like not saying i'm super awesome at it but i really enjoy it and at work like my my sorry my full-time job like i am a numbers person that is what i do and mm-hmm. and like those can be together um and I know I mentioned before our call that that thing, which I won't fully explain here, but Pascal's wager, which pretty much applies probability theory loosely, I think, to um, whether or not one ought to believe in God, some sort of concept of God. I think this is talking about more like the Christ, the typical like Christian God. Um, but I'll find a link to that. I could probably Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy it and put that in the description as well um, in case you or anyone else is interested in listening. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> also, that encyclopedia is like the coolest resource ever. But um, yeah, basically, it's like believing and then having it exist is the best outcome. And if you believe in it doesn't, did it enrich your life anyway? Well, yeah. So why wouldn't you just believe? Because mm-hmm. if you don't believe in it exists, <laughs> have fun with that one. And if you don't believe in it doesn't exist, 
well, that's not enriching your life much now. You can apply that framework. Like it is, it's, I'm sure it is just historically like a Christian based framework, but you could apply that. You could apply that framework to like the concept of learning Mm -hmm. like writ large, you know, like if you are to approach things with an open mind and engage with them and they aren't, they turn out to not be true or they turn out to not be valid. Like you still learned how to learn or how to have faith in mm-hmm. something. And that's a, like, I think that's an important human experience and it's community building. Whereas if you just like shut it down right away and even then if it's not real, you still don't, you're at like, you're at nothing. Like that's, there was no gain. So. Yeah. That reminds me of another story. Oh, now it's just story time. So, um, I was at this group that I was attending and I remember someone talking about the story of the Wright brothers, like creating the first like flying airplane, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at that time, apparently, this is, this is just me repeating a story. So like, don't quote me too much, but I still like it. At that time, there were so many companies with so much money investing in creating flight and they were getting nowhere. The Wright brothers legitimately, from what I heard, legitimately, I think, were <laughs> Like basically scrounging for scraps because they didn't have the funding. They didn't have an investor. They just had this dream and they had faith and hope that this could happen. Granted, these are people who have like obviously some amount of like scientific analytic background for this to have happened, but they had faith. And so with basically scrap parts, they created this working airplane. And so I think that's a really good example of how those two things can come together. And I really like thinking of that story when I'm in those moments where I'm kind of like having trouble reconciling. And it's like, well, no, I can't have faith about more analytic things or whatever it is. I've had faith in much worse things, I realize after the fact. So like, I just kind of like seeing how one can enhance the other as opposed to having to be compartmentalized um, as you're saying, yeah. Yeah, over the course of history, this is, I mean, okay, this, again, don't quote me on this, and there's also, like, many other problems with this, so this is not, like, a fully formed point at all, but um, over the course of history, like, so many, like, huge uh, thinkers, like, scientists, mathematicians, whatever, were also giant occultists, because if you have that spirit of learning, um, mm-hmm. it translates across all boundaries, and a lot of the time, having that openness to exploring things that are beyond the realm of what's accepted Mm -hmm. um, led to better findings within the realm of things that were like, you know, cutting Mm -hmm. edge because you kind of have that ability to keep thinking like, what if, what if this, what if that and rolling with it. Um, And so I think that is, it's, it's the same kind of idea as this, as the, your um, Wright brother story, which is also awesome. And I really like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing. And I think, yeah, if, if you are like othering all these parts of yourself, then you, yeah, you can't bring them into the whole, which is where mm-hmm. you will really be able to find um, the kind of, kind of insight that um, otherwise would be off limits. You like. mm-hmm. I have to wonder too, like looking back, and this is not a question that you and I can probably answer in this call, just like a, a general pondering of like, Back when all these scientists, like, you know, the more predominant scientists in history, not like now scientists, because obviously there's a lot of people still being very innovative and discovering all these awesome things. But back when all this happened, you know, like Einstein or whatever, back then was it described as something other than, or was that just how scientific inquiry was approached, right? Because I wonder, like, is it something we've mapped onto it now? And then as someone with like all these health conditions, because this is where when you said that earlier, I was like, oh, let me tell you. 
It's like, how much is that distinction limiting our progress now in modern day? That's a good question. I wonder, because I don't really, I don't mean, I don't know. I don't have the knowledge, but I wonder, because like, I mean, like way far back, right? Wasn't that there was less of a distinction between like what's science and what's like policy. Mm -hmm. And so like, does it, I think, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of just like experimentation from the get-go, which was probably more blended between like, this is just like magic and then like this is science and it kind of like separated more as we went mm -hmm. um and i would love to know and i wish that i could do a history degree <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's just something it's interesting to think about that like how has it changed over time and then also understanding context because like we're talking about obviously that pascal's wager well yeah it's from like a, a christian context because that just was the understanding at that time in that area. There wasn't anything other than that. Whereas now, you know, we have knowledge of all these different faiths and sects and things like that and mysticism and whatever it might be. Like it's a little bit more open that way overall um, that we can understand it from that context. And like, I think for me at least, um, I'm very, and this is, a, this is a different topic too that we will totally unpack a different day, but just on that for if someone reads that and they're like, well, this guy was just talking about Christian. God. Yeah, maybe, but that's all he knew. And now we know more. So we can map that context onto that framework and understand it in a different way. And that's not saying that he did anything bad at that time because that, it, that just was the truth. Right. Yeah. And, and that's also like what you were talking about earlier. Like that is science. Like we go based on one proven hypothesis that comes fact until we prove something else more or better or different that's the nature of it yeah that's, exactly. that's it so there really is never much of a, there's always how do you say it? there's always possibility that a concrete fact will be different or that will add information and enhance it in a certain way or you know a certain part of it might be found to be wrong but we discover there's this other thing that actually fills in that gap accurately and we see that it's working and whatever. And then that becomes the new truth. Like it, it's never this concrete thing. So then it's like, why are we needing to establish this part of our life, lives as being so concrete? Why can't we bridge that gap and bring it together? And if down the road we're like, you know what, that part of that spiritual part of me, whatever, doesn't make sense, fill the gap with something else. That's up to you. But it's not, it's not separate. It can be one and you can kind of have it evolve over time as like a coach within the industry where this term is very uh, word prevalent. I'm not good with predominant, one of those two. Yeah. I think they both make sense. So, it's, it's used a lot. So <laughs> and then, as a coach in an industry where that is the case, it's really up to me with an individual to know when that term, the woo term, can be of service to that person. My, my issue, we'll say, is that I think using it overall, all the time, to describe the spiritual is a disservice. In specific yes. situations, in specific contexts, it can be useful because there definitely are people, and maybe this is why some of these people are using it, because they got to this point, you know, like I came to this point from a very skeptical, more analytic background. And so it might make sense for someone like me to use that term because as much as it is part of my core, describing it that way feels still a little bit weird. Yeah. And that's okay. It's not less honest. Um, but it's, it's up to me to kind of read when someone <laughs> will gain something from using that term with them. And it doesn't make it 
like less good than the person I'm working with where we don't use that term and we describe it as something innate, like from the get go. Cause it's really that that's part of that whole spiritual aspect in our lives is integrating it in a way that works for you, that gets you where you need to be or realizing that part of you, you need to see right now. So if that's what it's doing, I don't really care how you describe it just on the more like broad level we need to be aware of when it is useful and when it's working to our detriment as a whole. Totally. Yeah. Different things serve different people and everybody has a different like practice. And some people like words like woo or words like mindfulness or words like self care. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, there are downsides. There are downsides to all of this and there are problems associated with over defining or under defining Mm -hmm. um, words. But as you say, like if it does, if it is serving you and it's making you feel more connected to yourself and your practice and it's making you happier and healthier mm-hmm. then if that's the term that is ringing true for you then awesome i'm really really glad that you brought up the mindfulness topic thank you so much for jumping on um i really appreciate it and hopefully someone out there in the world um got something even if it is that you don't agree with anything i've said because that can still reaffirm what you do agree with and what is working for you and there is like we said value in that so value in having the conversation having any conversation right so yeah awesome well thanks best boo thanks best boo Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Living in Desire podcast. If you haven't already, I would super appreciate if you hit that subscribe button and left a five-star review to help make this show more accessible to other magical humans like yourself. And of course, thank you again to our special guest today, Renita. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to all of the incredible projects that Renita is involved with. Until next time, I am your host, Natalie of Natalie Christina Coaching. Wishing you the most desire-filled day.